are listening to the Savvy Black Birther Podcast, the show that brings you all things Black birth, where listeners are educated, uplifted, and empowered into action. With your host, Takiya Sakina Ballard, licensed midwife. Hello, Savvy family, and welcome to another episode of the Savvy Black Birther podcast. You are in for a treat this time because this episode features another birth story from the Truth About Black Birth series. During this series, I usually interview Black and Indigenous families from around the country, giving listeners a firsthand account of what's truly happening for Black and Brown birth in America. I hope that this will provide you with a better sense of the climate of birth rather than seeing the statistics that often burden our social media feeds. I hope that this also, you know, offers you a sense of hope and strength by listening to the stories of others and knowledge and empowerment by hearing, you know, their their background, their story and hearing the commentary of providers. But above all, I hope that in hearing these stories, you will know that you are never alone on your birth journey. Helana Warren, also known as Hello Helana, is a founder of Yogi Tree, where she helps working professionals create and commit to their wellness goals so they can regain control of their health, happiness, and well-being. Previously, she worked as a plant-based chef, a licensed massage therapist, a yoga instructor, and meditation educator, where she helped entrepreneurs find work-life balance, collectively increasing their productivity and quality of life by prioritizing their needs and wants through small lifestyle changes. She has taught over 500 workshops that have educated hundreds of people on how to regain their health, mental clarity, and peace of mind through building healthy habits. She is a former linguist and currently supports entrepreneurs, educators, and artists with self-care strategy and stress management tools. In 2018, she launched her Get Right program, an eight-week online accelerator for professionals who need to take their healthy lifestyles to the next level. As a creative entrepreneur, Halana specializes in working with individuals and organizations to provide custom mindfulness, education, yoga, stress management, wellness programs, and self-care retreats. She is currently offering customized affirmations for those interested in positively impacting their outcomes through the power of the word. we want to welcome today Halana. Welcome Halana. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for consenting to share your birth story. So I want to let you guys all know that I met Halana um, actually doing the same thing that we're doing right now. Halana reached out to me via Instagram and invited me to be a guest on um, her podcast, Wellness at Work. And she is known there as Hello Halana and um, has a really, really interesting podcast. So I want you guys to go ahead and check it out. She is a wellness guru. When I tell you guru, I mean guru in the wonderful of senses. She is completely invested in the health of herself, her family, and others. And so I just want to make sure that you guys understand that. She's a wealth of knowledge and go out and check that out. Um, The other thing that she invited me to was a radio uh, broadcast that she does in Philadelphia. And it was a wonderful experience to be invited with to speak on those platforms. And so in that time that we spoke, she talked about her pregnancy. She was currently pregnant at the time, and it was in August of this of this actual year. And so I decided, you know what, because I had this wonderful opportunity of meeting her and hearing her heart about her pregnancy and planning for her birth, I thought it very fitting to invite her to speak to us today. So thank you so much again for coming on to the show and sharing your story with us. And as I've said before, sharing a birth story is a very intimate thing. And and so we are very uh, blessed to be graced with this story. And I want you guys as listeners to sit back and relax and listen to um, Halana as she shares her most intimate experiences. So Halana, take us back to a time when you first found out that you were pregnant. Can you remember what your initial thoughts were? Oh, my goodness. Um, so, <laughs> so, 
so this is such an interesting question. Um, how did I feel when I first found out that I was pregnant? Um, I have dreamt about having a family since I was little and especially throughout high school and college when I started dating and I was like, wow, like one of these people I'm dating could potentially be my, <laughs> could be my husband. Um, it was just such a, like, um, uh, like just so much excitement, I guess I had around motherhood and ironically, um, last year, uh, my husband and I actually got pregnant and we had a miscarriage and it was a very, very challenging experience to go through. And, uh, I don't want to like overgeneralize it and be like, and then the rest of the, and then the rest of the world happened because there's a lot that goes into that. But to answer your question, I guess, around when I found out I was pregnant for the second time, um, it was like exciting and scary for that reason, because, I had to deal with a lot of worry around, you know, loss and, uh, you know, our, our angel baby, as we call, as we call them, um, we, we, our baby transitioned at 11 weeks. And so um, through the entire first trimester, right. Of finding out that I was pregnant, I really was just like nervous <laughs> all the time, to be honest. And it was like just emotional roller coaster around being excited, being nervous, being excited, being nervous. And um, it took a while to really work through that. And, and I think for me, working through um, the loss of a miscarriage and the celebration of, an, of a new life was happening at the same time. And I know for many of the women friends that I re reached out to during that time, I kind of found out that like miscarriage was much, was much more common than I knew previously. And that actually a lot of people that I knew had experienced that and they were very supportive and like, oh, don't worry, you'll get pregnant again really, really fast. And it was just like, like a whirlwind of like emotions happening um, around, you know, kind of wanting to have that experience, but then also feeling a little bit like nervous around it, you know, and, and the mixed bag of emotions around that. So when I found out that we were pregnant, um, my husband and I were actually uh, in Mexico and <laughs> uh, on vacation. We take these like kind of four to six week vacations, historically anyway, um, during the holidays. And we were on this uh, this particular trip and I just was feeling like so tired all the time <laughs> and really didn't know why until we got back. And then it, I was like, oh, my gosh, babe, <laughs> I think I'm pregnant. And it was just kind of like just such a just such a wild thing to imagine. Um, that that had actually happened and had happened so quickly. And so uh, as as it would, as it kind of worked out, um, our son was born almost exactly a year to the day of when we lost our first baby. Um, and so it just felt to me very much like a, a connected story. So I know that might be a little bit more than you asked for as far as how did I feel, but that's kind of everything that was going on at that time. No, it's perfect. And thank you for eloquently sharing that. Um, and that's the thing, you know, it is your beginning for this particular baby um, and this particular birth story. And so it's it's very fitting to share that piece of it because that was your beginning. Um, I think oftentimes, especially um, in America today and especially with biopic women, uh, we don't have those, um, those outlets to talk about, you know, our experiences around birth specifically when we have a loss or where things don't go exactly as we've planned or we've hoped for. And so uh, it's interesting that you say you had to reach out to some of your friends and, and um, to get that connectedness. And I wonder if, you know, um, had you not had that, or maybe, maybe you might've needed a little bit more or something else that would have helped you through that journey um, of, of that first trimester of really feeling, you know, joy for your new pregnancy and also sadness for the loss that you you and your husband experienced. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, that's definitely, I'm sure, something that other listeners have or will likely experience because you are right. Um, miscarriage does happen more than we um, believe and more than unfortunately we let on. Um, I don't know if our stories are really um, told as much as I think that they should be. Um, stories are definitely there to help another. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, so you you experienced some joys, you experienced some 
you know, some fears in your first trimester. And um, I'm sure that was a time of some uncertainty. You were probably feeling tired and your body was changing and all those things were going on for you. How did you come upon deciding to birth the way that you you chose to birth? Like, what was your process um, from first initially finding out you're pregnant to now deciding how you wanted to? Okay, so... um... The process that I kind of went through to decide uh, to have a home birth and to kind of put all the pieces together was something I had been thinking about for a long time. Um, I remember in high school when I really kind of got interested in YouTube, I remember hearing that there was this YouTube video of this woman eating her placenta. And it was just like me and my girlfriends were just like, what? This is crazy. Like, who does this? How does this happen? What does it happen? None of us had actually seen a live birth. Let, let alone seen a placenta. And so it just was like a shocker. And it opened up my mind to this possibility that, you know, uh, you could have a baby not at the hospital, right? And I have been like walking this wellness journey for about the last 15, 16 years myself as a wellness success coach. And so I've studied aspects of, you know, herbs, I've studied aspects of aromatherapy and self-massage. I've, you know, uh, studied yoga and even in fact even I taught prenatal yoga at one point um and so there were all these different you know things that I was learning about from a holistic health perspective that oftentimes would kind of walk alongside you know building families and um, learning about how to take care of oneself as well as to kind of prepare yourself for pregnancy so I had had clients at the time that I was advising on different ways to really prepare the body and the womb um, holistically, uh, from a health perspective, you know, to be to be pregnant well before I was kind of in, in the space myself. And so um, that was all kind of swirling. And then, um, you know, I was living the world as this like fabulous single lady and met my husband. <laughs> and I had no intention of getting married. Let's be real. Um, I didn't really believe in it as much as I do now. And it wasn't until I met him that I actually was like, wow, I think this is a person I could marry and my whole world changed. And so by going through the process of becoming in a relationship, like getting into a committed relationship and really moving through that, the idea of having a family was, was something both of us wanted to do. And so we, you know, kind of kept saying like, Oh, later, 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 later. (laughs) And so everything just kind of happened on its own timing. And when it did happen, I was like, oh, well, we're definitely having the baby at home, you know? And for him, this was a new conversation in the sense that one, he had no children previously. And secondly, like he had never attended a birth. He didn't really know much about this idea. How did it work? What happened? And so um, I asked, asked around and, you know, I kind of already had in mind who I wanted my midwife to be. I kind of already knew that I wanted to have a doula um, even before I even got pregnant I was asking people that I saw with newborns oh did you have a lactation consultant can I have their number like and people used to always be like Hana you're so prepared like you don't even have and I'm like I know I don't know I just feel like I need to know (laughs) and so um deciding to have a home birth was not really a decision it was something a decision I made like well before I actually got pregnant which I think actually helped me to get more comfortable with the idea beforehand and not feel like I had to rush during the perhaps nine month period to collect all this information. So it took away a lot of the overwhelm because I was educated about it. I had like was able to casually peruse websites and articles, have conversations with people with no pressure um, and decide for myself based off of the information I was gathering and also kind of how I felt about it. And so having home birth was really important to me um, for those reasons, because it felt like the most natural space. And then the pandemic hit in 2020, March. And at that point I was walking from my first trimester into my second trimester and it became that much more serious um, of a decision. And I became even more rooted in the in the fact that I knew I wanted to have a home birth because um, I didn't wanna go to a hospital. I didn't wanna take my baby there. I didn't wanna have the restrictions at the time. You know, they were only allowing perhaps one person in some states, other places they weren't allowing anybody to join the, you know, the birthing parent. and uh, that just the just the thought of it was stressful for me, you know, and I know so much about the connection between the mother and, and the and the baby and how the stress hormones are transferred. And I just was like, I want, you know, my child to come into the world as calm and chill as possible. Like I want it to be a chill vibe. Like I literally said that verbatim to my midwife when she was like, How do you want these to be? I was like, calm, chill, like relaxed, like fall back, you know? And she was like, Cool, got it. 
Um, and yeah, so, you know, the idea of having a home birth became that much more serious for me when I realized that things were changing in the world and that the world I wanted my, my child to enter into was the one I wanted to create. And that seemed the best, easiest way to do that was to have the baby at home. Wonderful. Um, you know, as I'm listening to what you're saying, the, the two, there's a phrase that comes to mind and it's that there's strength in preparedness. Um, it sounds like you were doing a lot of preparedness or being prepared, the act of being prepared by gathering information well before mm-hmm. you were even pregnant. And, I, and, and that sounds like, you know, that was um, something that was of value to have had done that prior to your pregnancy, because you know, you're going through so much when you're pregnant, so many um, changes and so many uh, things that need to be done. Uh, and it's really hard to also be firm on a de- decision and also, um, you know, grow a human and, and endure all of the changes that your body goes mm-hmm. through at the same time. So I applaud you for, um, for being um, tenacious and, um, and persevering through that that process of just doing your due diligence of making sure that you chose what was best for you. So let me ask you a question. Did you have any pushback to your decision uh, for birth? Um, you know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, like, did I have any pushback on uh, my decision to have the baby at home? Um, my husband was like, he wasn't knowledgeable about it, but he was open to it. And that was enough. <laughs> that was enough for me to work mm-hmm. with. Um, and then he became more and more interested in it as we decided to do some other things that are kind of along that path as well. Um, and that was really the only opinion I cared about. Um, my mom was super open to it, mm-hmm. although she had never had that experience. And then when I told her I wanted her to be there, then that's when she got real and was like, wait, okay, wait a minute, what's happening? <laughs> You know, um, and my sister and I actually had a baby both this year. My sister, my niece was born in, in April of this year. So my sister had a baby in April and they um, live in a different city and state and they had the baby at, at the hospital. And my mom was planning to go with her and her husband and she wasn't able to because of the pandemic. And so um, she was kind of not able to witness my sister's birth in that way. You know what I mean? And then they were in the hospital for a few days. So then when it, when it kind of came to me and she was like, okay, I'm going to come to visit you. Um, wait, I'm going to like be there, be there, be there, be there when the baby is born. Like, how do you have a baby in, a, in an apartment? That was her question. <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, we'll work it all out. And so I was really intentional about facilitating time for my midwife and my doula to get to know my mom, because that was the team that I was going to have there. It was going to be me and my husband, my mom, my midwife and my doula. And so it was, I felt like it was important for all of us to be connected mm-hmm. and to be on the same page. And ironically, I think it worked out really well because my midwife drew a relationship with my mom, my doula drew a relationship with my mom, you know, and that, that labor time when it was happening, when everything kind of started to kick off, my mom was here, you know, my husband was really involved, but everybody was comfortable and everybody was familiar with one another. And not only that, but we had discussed previously, like the different roles that the midwife plays and the different roles that the doula plays and how my mom and my husband were like going to support and then what I was going to be doing just just to give them that, both both of them actually, both to give my husband and my mom like some comfort around such an unknown experience. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it just felt really important to facilitate that relationship early on, even if it was via FaceTime or phone calls and in person when it worked. And also to make sure everybody had talked through like expectations or even questions around what happens and how do we do these things. So honestly, I, I don't know if I may have missed something, but from what I know, everything went smooth, smoothly and seamlessly on the back end. Like everybody was really aware of like, okay, here's who we call first. Here's what we wait for before we call such and such person. Here's what they're coming with. Here's how you, you break down the water tub. I mean, like everything we kind of went through um, painstakingly a little bit because I've been very detail oriented. So I wanted to know, um, but then I think it led, lent itself to a, a level of comfortability for my support team. So then they could show up for me in a way that also helped me out, especially given, you know, birth is, you know, the baby's going to come, however the baby's going to come. And so given that there was so much unknown around that, we, I wanted to at least know what we could know around the process and the format and the setup. That way everybody would feel more and more comfortable. So I didn't really receive a lot of pushback, but it was more so like education. 
you know, people were open to it and they kind of just wanted to know like, how does it happen? What happens? What am I responsible for? And it also gave both my husband and my mom to set their boundaries as to like where they wanted to be as far as their comfort level with certain things happening, right? So we didn't cut the umbilical cord. That was something we didn't do. And my mom was like, I'm not touching it, <laughs> you know? I don't want to be nowhere near the placenta <laughs> and the umbilical cord. And that was her boundary. And that was, and it was able to be respected. Do you know what I'm saying? Even while she respected what I wanted to do um, mm -hmm. with having the the lotus birth. So, you know, I think it gives, it gives, it gave us an opportunity to kind of dance together and work it out so that everybody could at least be present, even if, you know, things were going to be done the way I wanted them to be done, but mm -hmm. it gave, it gave folks an opportunity to at least speak their needs and we could address them ahead of time. Right. Well, I'm definitely um, I'm impressed, <laughs> but in my first encounter, well, let me explain. In my first encounter with you, um, I already knew you were a, you know, very detail-oriented person just by the way you came across and how you interviewed and how you, you know, you navigated wellness and your, your podcast and all those other things. So I will say that I am impressed, but I'm not surprised um, because it, it really does take the birthing person being mm. in charge, right? And, and letting their team know exactly what they want um, and also a allowing that flow of communication between the team members to, to flow organically mm. in their respectful places. So for example, so you're, I'm sure your midwife obviously being the, the more knowledgeable of the group in terms of what it comes down to doing a home birth, you know, they were probably um, helping everyone to understand the process and really, you know, informing and giving that education. But you were probably also, it sounds like very um, uh, steadfast in your, you know, decision and which helped you know, for your, your, your husband and your mother to likely also feel comfortable in the decision that you made, because it sounds like you did your research, right? You, you gathered your team, you had, you were in charge. The way I like to describe it when I talk about birth is that, you know, it's, it's a boat. We're on, we're on this, this, uh, you know, the ship and we're going across mm -hmm. the seven seas of labor and it can be, it could be tumultuous, you know, weather, it could be calm seas. It can, you know, be seas that are a little bit rocky, but the boat is handling things. And you have a cap, you have a captain, right? And the captain is in the form of the birthing person and their closest companion, they're, they're likely their partner. And then you have your first mate, with it, which is your midwife, right? Um, and then you have your crewman that includes your doula, your, you know, grandma to be all of these people who are just there to make sure everything runs smoothly and that the captains feel in charge and completely, you know, um, able to decide how the ship should sail and what course the ship should take. And so it sounds like you were able to create that uh, for yourself, putting yourself at the head of the table. And it's so important that, um, that you know, I, I acknowledge that because that's often where um, many birthing people go wrong is that they think that they're supposed to be at the back seat or that they're not supposed to be at the head of the table when it comes down to mm. um, birthing their babies. So thank you so much for, for showing that or, you know, in your example. Oh, yeah. I love that. Birth. Voice Messages is designed to give listeners a way to offer spoken feedback directly to me, your host. You are important to me and your concerns and questions are too. So I want to hear from you. Click the link in the show profile and record a voice message for up to one minute. Then click send this message and your question or comment may be featured in an upcoming show. It's that simple. Are you enjoying the podcast? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. The Savvy Black Birther Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. You may support the podcast directly by clicking the link at the end of the show notes. Your support helps me to keep bringing you real, relevant, and relatable content. Thank you so much for supporting this work. Now, back to the show.
are some of the joys um, and struggles of your pregnancy, both mentally? Ooh, that's such a good question. What were some of yeah. the joys of my pregnancy, <laughs> mentally, physically, and emotionally? Uh, yeah, yeah struggles. struggles. Yeah, so um, I'll start there. I mean, I had nausea, pretty severe nausea for the entire first trimester, which was just like the worst. Like I never knew a person could throw up that much. Gross. It was just like so much. Um, that was really frustrating <laughs> because I, I understood you could have like morning sickness, which sounded like, oh, I don't feel well. But like the level to which some days, you know, five, six times a day, you know, not being able to keep anything down. I remember at one point um, I was throwing up water and I just was like, what is life right now? Like, how is it happening? Um, I didn't really know that could happen. <laughs> so I was just like very disheartened by that experience. It was really, really tough. Um, I lost a lot of weight during that period of time. Um, at one point I had to have like, you know, I had, I had to have like fluids, you know, just to kind of keep me together. Um, it was very strenuous on my husband. He was nervous all the time. And I mean, I would make these, you know, incredible meals and then eat them and be, and we'd both just be sitting there like, okay, okay, is it going to stay down? Is it going to stay down? And then I'd be like, give me the trash can. And it was just like, it was just like, it really weighed, weighed on my morale, man. <laughs> It was hard. It was it was definitely hard. That was probably the biggest struggle that I had was the nausea. And uh, mm. and it wasn't to the point, I think there's like an actual condition that they have called something around nausea. I didn't have that, but I I did have frequent nausea. And every, every time I would get checked about it, they were just like, oh, that's normal. Yeah, that's pretty normal. That can happen. That's pretty normal. And I was just like, Ugh, make it stop. Um, so that was the biggest mm. challenge. <clears throat> I think... The second biggest challenge was um, being pregnant during a pandemic. That was that was difficult, you know, um, not being able to have girlfriends come by regularly or to see people in public or just like that, that kind of that glow that happens when you're pregnant and wanting to like share even with strangers, people being just like happy and excited and joyous around you. At least I've always been that way towards people I saw that were pregnant in public. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get that opportunity. I didn't have that experience. I was home all the time. So, you know, mm. FaceTiming and, and being on Zoom and showing people my belly um, was the extent of that social celebration. And I think because birth is such a community experience, especially for me, um, navigating that separate from family and friends and people that I cared a lot about and people who've been a part of my story, you know, throughout my life who wanted to be there, that was really, really tough. So, you know, I could do a whole conversation on being pregnant during a pandemic. Um, it, it has definitely had come with its ups and, and its downs. Um, I would say the joys were, um, honestly, the joy was much about like being able to feel a sense of freedom, I think, that I hadn't fully expressed previously. Um, I feel like being pregnant opened up my eyes to myself on a deeper level, especially because I had an opportunity to be home and be more still than I normally would have been. And it was almost as if the baby was like, hey, we're going to sleep. I don't care what you want to do we're going to sleep <laughs> and the idea of honoring myself <laughs> not just for myself but for me and my child was new right and I think being an independent person and an individual person for such a long time I was now putting someone and something else you know in priority in a way that I had never done before um so that was like it was it was new it was a new experience, but it was also like really cool to get a chance to see how I was um, uh, like no longer just on my own, but really thinking about like, this is what's best for the baby. And it, it just shifted my mentality so much around like, okay, this is what's best for my baby. This is what's best for me. This is what's best for my family. This is what's best for my partner. And all of that came to the top in a way that as a business owner and an entrepreneur, you know, opportunity opportunities and work and, you know, this gig and going to a concert and social events and all of these different things could kind of sneak into the priorities sometimes. 
I was really forced to address that um, for myself. Mm. And it, it allowed me actually to feel a sense of like, I was like really proud. I was like, okay, when I finally surrendered to it anyway, <laughs> I was really proud of myself for being like, I have to take today off or I'm not doing that. I really, really, really want to, but it's okay for me to say no and not mm -hmm. feel like I have to explain it. And I think that was renewed for me during that time. Nice. Thank you for sharing. I, it's, you said, you said when you surrendered to it, that's very interesting that you say that because I find as a midwife, you know, everybody has their own journey uh, and their own course of, of how they get to that surrender. But that surrender is inevitable. Um, and every pregnant person uh, endures it and goes through it. And so um, thank you for sharing it in the way that you did. So fast forward a little bit, um, you express some of the joys and struggles and, you know, especially in your first trimester, but now take me or take us to your time in your third trimester as you're starting to get more prepared to give birth at home. What were some of the things that you had? Ooh, to do I really like that birth? question. Um, what are some of the things I had to do to prepare for a home birth? Um, I really love that because as I mentioned before, like I feel like the first part of it was my mentality. And I think that was something that even like my husband and my mom had to do too, to like, really open up to the the shift in mentality around a home birth and how different it is. Um, my husband even remarks that like, you know, if you stay in the hospital for three to five days afterwards, like there are nurses coming around the clock to check on you and to do this and to do that. And that was kind of like him. <laughs> and he didn't know that part beforehand. So um, <laughs> that was a new experience for him. But you know, that I mean, that's part of what we should have done to prepare is we should have talked more about the postpartum um, aspect than we did so that he could have been more comfortable and familiar. But it, it's still, I mean, it is, it is what it is. There's still so much unknown in that space. You can only prepare, quote unquote, for so much. Um, but I would say um, mm -hmm. I got my supplies list. You know, my midwife had a list of supplies that we needed to order. We did that. Um, did a nice amount of kind of shopping to get extra chucks pads and, you know, cooling this and heating that and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, so I think having that list was helpful. It made me feel like like I was preparing, you know, in the physical, in the material world. Um, I would say emotionally, um, I don't think I was prepared to be pregnant emotionally. I think I had to really just experience it. And for people who like to control things, that can be a really scary thing. So I say that to like the audience, you know, it can be challenging to walk into something so new, right? And I think some people, everybody has their way of dealing with that. You know, I read like some birthing stories and I read some books. Um, I was very averse to watching videos. So I didn't want to watch any type of videos around birth. Um, although previously prior to getting pregnant, I was super interested in that, you know, so I just had to like roll with that changing. So I think like if I were to share with anyone else, you know, like let yourself be in whatever space of emotional prep preparation or preparedness that you need to, to be present. Like, don't feel like the pressure to do things a certain way or to read this or watch that or to even talk about certain things um, if you don't feel like you're ready ready to. And I utilize a variety of mediums, everything from journaling to having conversations, um, therapy, you know, um, books, um, all different kinds of things to really help me access the emotional capacity that was growing at the same time that my baby was growing. And I would say um, spiritually, um, I felt really connected to the baby. We had chosen not to find out what we were having until the baby was born, which was really fun. So we just like were forever guessing and like, ooh, oh, I just feel like, oh, I feel like it's gonna be a girl. Oh, and honey, I just blah, 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 whatever. And then you know, like, oh, no, I think it's a boy, you know, because X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like a fun journey. So um, no matter what the baby, no matter if we had a girl or a boy, I felt very spiritually connected to the baby. And like, I was always talking to the baby. And um, of course we had a son, so I can say now him, but, um, you know, I was always talking to him and I was always like rubbing my belly and, you know, doing these different kind of ritual things to really just kind of stay connected in that way. And I think um, that really made a big difference. So 
um, yeah, I would say, you know, have a list of some sort for what you need, if that's what makes you feel comfortable. Um, I know there are people who don't need that and don't want that and don't care. <laughs> and they're like, eh, I could do with or without it. And they just kind of want to roll with it. Some of the things I got, I didn't use and I didn't need at all. And I ended up giving to another mama who's having a home birth, you know what I mean? Which is fine for me. Um, and some of the things that I needed, I didn't have. And that just is what it is. So you'd be okay with that tra transition too. And then have a way to work yourself through the emotions. Um, you know, having a miscarriage prior to actually, you know, having our son, um, there was a lot of emotions swirling um, throughout the entire pregnancy, all the way up through uh, postpartum even, you know, and I've had to deal with the nervousness and the worry and the, um, the, you know, the uncertainties of having a newborn and not knowing what I'm doing <laughs> or thinking I don't know what I'm doing, you know what I mean? Um, and mm -hmm. all different types of things. So I, I really recommend for folks to have some sort of emotional outlet, um, everything from dancing and singing and writing to, you know, actually um, talking with somebody that can really help you navigate those emotions. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're, you're telling us so much and giving us so much stuff already. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited. Um, and, you know, for for just disclaimer, I am hearing, you know, this for the first time as well as the listeners. So tell me, I'm, I'm sitting patiently waiting for the actual birth story, but can you give us a snippet of the highlights of your birth story just for you know, someone who's listening, who might be thinking about birthing at home or who is on that journey of birthing at home. Tell us a little bit. Yeah. About so um, the highlights of my birth story, it's a very interesting question. Um, so we, our, our baby was due. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about you. Hi, hi. <laughs> I'm talking about you. Um, uh, our son was due uh, on August 31st, and he was born on September 7th. So he came uh, exactly a week late. And I kind of asked him to. <laughs> and that was part of that spiritual connection that I felt. And I was kind of like, we need some more time. Your dad is working. We got some stuff we got to do. Just wait a little bit. And, uh, and he did. You did, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, but when he did come, um, I had had uh, like wasn't I was feeling pretty good, and I kind of went to sleep, and I was like, mm, I feel like the baby's gonna be born tomorrow, you know, or at least the day after. And we essentially um, just kind of had that experience. I woke up, um, wasn't feeling like too, too good. I had been having, I forget what they're called, but like pseudo surges essentially, like feeling you know, surges, but then like, that's it. And then it'd go away. So mm -hmm. I, I had started feeling that. And then I was like, oh, I'm gonna go to sleep. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I was up since maybe like 2 a.m. and I couldn't call them. Like I, nothing was changing, nothing was going away. Um, and then I kind of threw up everything I'd eaten the night before. And I was like, okay, I feel like we're going somewhere. And, I, and my mom and my, husband were here um and I didn't want to wake them up unless it was real so I was trying to figure out like is it really happening right now and so by about like 5 6 a.m I was like okay you know I think it's I think it's time so I woke my mom up um at that point my husband was already awake and then sometime around eight I want to say my water broke um and we had our midwife on the phone and she kind of had us test the liquid to make sure that it was actually amniotic fluid and not just, you know, something else. And it was indeed, you know, my water had broken, um, which was like exciting and weird. Um, Cause it just like trickled down my leg. It wasn't like, you know, <laughs> or anything, you know, so everybody. <laughs> I love the sound. Of, I love the sound. Of yeah. That. Everybody kind of has their own experience with that. Mine was pretty chill. And I was like, oh, I think my water just broke. And I was like, what? And I was like, I think it just broke. And there's like a tiny puddle. I was like, okay, the end. Um, <laughs> so at that point, everything just kind of sped up. Um, I was in labor for about 16 hours and about five or six of those hours was like active pushing, like 
when I say active, I mean like like labor pushing. Um, you know, on the minute, every minute. Um, very very intense experience, and as a result, um, we 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 had a little boy who's nine pounds and nine ounces, and who knew? And um, it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal. Like, I feel like if I hadn't been there myself, I wouldn't believe that I had a baby, y'all. Like, it's just like such a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, bless you. Bless you. Um, wow. <laughs> that's how surreal it was. And uh yeah i i i i did a lot of work and i i had someone um do a video of 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 our birth and uh i watched it weeks later like i couldn't bring myself to watch it um firstly and then secondly i couldn't bring myself to watch it with the sound on and then i finally watched it with the sound on like weeks later and i was like what like what are these noises like what are these sounds like who is this person Talk about warrior woman work. Good gracious, that was absolutely happening. Um, that was absolutely happening, mm. and it was it was it was amazing. It was absolutely wow. amazing, and all of the best and most difficult ways possible. Um, yeah. So yeah, and he was he was born on the birthing stool. Um, I had a, a I wasn't necessarily intending to have a water birth, but we had everything set up because I just wanted to kind of have everything accessible depending on how things went. So I was in the water for a little while um, and that helped a lot. And then I, we just had to change positions a lot um, because um, of like, I, I, essentially the way my midwife explained it was that I had like a band of, of muscle that was kind of pull it, you know, kind of holding him in. And so I put in his head would slide and then it would slide back and it would slide out and it would slide back. So we mm -hmm. just had to adjust a lot to kind of make that happen. And it really wasn't until afterwards that I really understood like how everything laid out, having a long labor, um, having that band of muscle mm -hmm. there, having a big baby, you know, all of these different things. And how if I had, if I had chosen to have my baby in the hospital, things would have probably gone down a little bit differently. And um, I just became that much more grateful for the decision that I made and my ability to work through it. And also for the team that helped support and facilitate that um, you know, so. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I have so much to say in, um, in response, but I'm going to leave that for our commentary about your birth when I speak to a home birth midwife in the next episode. And it's just because, so just to give people an understanding of, of why you might have pushed for five hours or that mm -hmm. band that you're referring to, people might have question about that. But I thank you so much for sh sharing that because it just goes to show you how strong Ooh. you were to endure pushing for that long and how, tr how trusting you were of yourself and of your team. And, and vice versa, how trusting your team was of you and the birth process and labor, mm. what, you know, magnificent things that the birthing body can do. And they were patient, mm. patient mm -hmm. to allow your baby to be born in his own time. Um, and, and some might hear this and think that that's an emergency and we must do something about this. And so I ask you, did you feel any sense of urgency or did your team display or show? You know what's, what's really beautiful? Um, those, you know what's really hours. beautiful about your question around like, around did my team show urgency and did it make me feel urgent during a long labor, especially like a long period of pushing? And my midwife and my doula were so in tune with one another and, I, and, and we had built such a relationship uh, over the course of time uh, while I was pregnant I tr I trust I just trusted them I trusted them 100% just as much or if not more maybe than I trusted myself you know what I mean and so I decided that if I felt okay I was going to continue to proceed um and as long as they were cool you know we were going to we were going to we were going to roll with this and we had talked at length um you know mm -hmm. which is why I feel like for me, it was really helpful to talk through a lot of scenarios, uncomfortable scenarios, previous to to giving birth, because I had we had already discussed like, okay, if this happens, this is the plan, or if this happens, this is the plan, 
or you know um and even more more specific if anything mm-hmm. happens and i and, and this you know and i talked to my midwife about this and and she was like you know and if i feel basically she was like i'm not going to walk you to the edge of the cliff and then be like oh no everybody jump she was like i'll be able to tell you if things are progressing in such a way well before there's an emergency mm-hmm. she's like i'm not trying to rush and be jumping off of no cliffs. And that's like not a big metaphor, but you know what I mean? So I I knew if something, if anything was off, she was going to give me a heads up immediately and we were going to switch course right away. And of course I would have, you know, choices and options and and that sort of thing, but I really trusted her level of expertise and her years in the the work. So that never happened. (laughs) Every time I would check in and kind of be like, so I remember I kept asking her how much longer? I kept asking her, I was like, okay, okay. That is the infamous question. And then like, you said, it was slide up, slide back, slide up, slide back. And then I would be like, okay, so how much longer? <laughs> and I don't know what she said, but every time she got, gave me an answer that was not an actual time, she, you know, she called my, my question. <laughs> and uh, enough for me to be like, okay, let's keep going. You know what I mean? But I, I just, that's what I think really built it. It was the trust I had with her, the trust I had with myself, the trust I had with my team that I knew if something was up, they were going to let me know right away. And they never, you know, they never indicated that anything was, was out of order. So we just continued to proceed um, accordingly. And I think that allowed me the space to experience it, to process. And they were, my husband kind of described it. I think there might be like a picture that um, somebody took, but they would kind of like huddle, you know, at various junctions and be like, okay, you know, I think we should try this position. I think mm-hmm. we should do this or, you know, check her this, or I think we should X, Y, Z. And, and um, I wasn't aware of it in the, in the moment, but, you know, I knew that whatever was happening, I was safe and I was, I was, I was secure and, um, and my baby was going to be born, you know, safe and healthy as well. And, and that was really all that mattered to me. So, um, yeah, there were a few, and I had like, man, I, I think anybody might, you know, um, throughout a long labor, like I had in the back of my mind, like, okay, <laughs> you know, what if this or that? And I I just kind of decided that wasn't going to happen because I just really didn't want, you know, certain things. And I, um, I just took it, I just didn't put energy there and I just kept staying present and I kept staying present, which wasn't that hard to do when the the surges were put, were rumbling um, <laughs> and, and rolling. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> question to ask about like, was there any urgency uh, around around the long labor? Um, but yeah, I think it was a trust. It was a trust in them and a trust in myself mm-hmm. that I knew if anything was up there, let me know. And of course, later I found out that in a traditional setting that wouldn't have been like, allowed in the same way like in the hospitals where we live I think two or three hours is the maximum that you're allowed to push and then you kind of have to move along in a way um and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know I didn't have that restriction I was mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. and I, <laughs> I remember my midwife and she was like I did wonder if we were going to be doing this again tomorrow right. you know she was like I, until we kind of reached this point where things shifted um and he started to open up but she she you know she she was just incredible. Mm-hmm. She really exerted effort in helping, you know, get him get past that band of muscle and and just everything. Really, really, it was it was labor of love. Isn't even you know, <laughs> isn't even the term because everybody was really was really just dialed into the experience, and I'm really grateful. Wow. I have so many things going through my head right now listening to your story. But first and foremost, I'm grateful that you had such a wonderful and empowering experience. Um, And I'm also grateful that you um, had the love and care of midwives and doulas Mm -hmm. centered around you for your birth, not not to mention your family, you know, but that but that you also had this this trust is that mm-hmm. it seems like you guys all worked really hard at trying to establish and and the only way that you can establish that kind of trust that trust that happens innately um where you can sort of gauge mm. your strength off of another person's quiet stillness in the room 
or whether just they don't have to say a word, whether it's just the energy that flows in the room and you can feel it when you're feeling those surges hit you and you're just like, I just need a little ounce of strength and someone touches you and it gives you that strength to continue through. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of relationship that only can be developed when you spend time with people. And I know based on what I'm hearing from you that you had to have spent time with your team to invest in that, that um, not only preparedness, but developing that trust. And so whoever your birth team is, your mother, your, your husband, your midwife, your doula, and ultimately you and your baby, my hat goes off to you guys. And I give you a round of applause because that is something mm-hmm. that is rare and is not ha- happening every day in America. And that's what we aspire to. That's the reason why this podcast is is up and going, because I want people to hear these wonderful stories like yours to give them hope again for a different type of future around birth, um, a future where they can decide how they want to give birth and do it unapologetically and safely. So I appreciate you sharing. Lastly, um, but not least, I want to thank your little guy for gracing us with his appearance and all of his beautiful, beautiful, beautiful baby sounds that have played melodically behind the scenes as we're as I'm listening to you share this story of bringing him Earthside and you know, as he's having his meal or playing with his mommy, whatever he's doing, I'm just grateful that he's here to to kind of give us that sense because anyone who's listening, this is what you can have. Um, if you work hard at it and really, really push yourself towards that, having a choice, having relationship. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I so appreciate you and um, am grateful that you shared not only your birth story, but your wisdom with us as well. So <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you to your little guy again. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of The Savvy Black Birther. Make sure to visit my website, Sakina Health, where you can find evidence-based information, resources, and more. You can also follow me on Instagram at Sakina underscore health. That's S-A-K-I-N-A. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating or review. And don't forget to tell that good friend so that this content can reach many more Black birthing families. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in for the next episode. Be informed, be equipped, and be savvy Black birthers.